upset during Sheldon's singing. And not my preaching, but I'm, I hope she doesn't get upset during my preaching either. But you all look so wonderful today. But I have a question that I've uh, been kind of thinking about lately is, is doubt. And wondering if you guys have ever, ever struggled with doubt. Whether it's doubting yourself, doubting what someone has told you, doubting God. We all have doubts. Someone once said, if you tell a man that there are 581,723,265 stars in the sky, they will believe you. But if a sign says fresh paint, they'll have to make a personal investigation. <laughs> Sometimes we're like that. We believe everything we read on the internet or what someone else says, but we doubt that God is real, that we have a God who created the world when all of his creation points to his handiwork. It's in our human nature to doubt. Whether it's something that sounds irrational, just doesn't make sense, or maybe it's too good to be true. We all have our doubts about lots of things, but most importantly, we all have had our doubts about God and about our Christian faith. You guys know the story of uh, the prodigal son, I'm sure, where this young man uh, gets his father's inheritance, leaves his house, squanders his wealth, and just ends up in this terrible shape, and then he comes to his senses and realizes, I could just be a servant at my father's house and be better off than I am right now. And so he goes back home, hoping just that his father would take him back in. And, and what does his father do? His father runs out and meets him, opens his arms up to him and welcomes him, embraces him, kills the fatted calf for him. There's this painting of Rembrandt. I'm sure you've seen it. Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son is, is really uh, just a wonderful piece of art. And it's amazing. You could just sit there and look at it for hours because you see the father's warm embrace of the prodigal son. And you see all the love that he has for him. But... And I think we can put ourselves in the, in the, the characters of, of this story, of the prodigal son. I mean, maybe you've been here before where you've, you've wandered far away from God. You've ran as far as you could, and, and now you've come back, and God has just opened up his arms of, of love and mercy and grace to you, and you felt that love. So we can put ourselves in that place as sinners in need of a Savior. Or maybe you've... Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry, Raylan. But there's also the, the character of the father's love. The father loves his son so much that he will, he will go out and, and meet him, kill the fatted calf, even though he squandered all his wealth and inheritance. And so maybe you've been here too, where you've had to show mercy and grace. Or maybe there's another character that is the older brother, where his heart, his hardened heart, he's, he doesn't love his brother like his father does, and he's actually mad that his father is, is showing love to, to his brother. And so in this painting, you see the father embracing the son, the older brother standing there, not, not uh, happy about the situation. But then in the painting, you also see two other figures kind of in the background. They're, they're in the light, and, they, and they, they are watching with fascination as this father loves this son, hugs him and embraces him. 
But there's someone in particular in this uh, painting that I want to point out. And at, at first glance of the painting, you, you won't see this person. But in the top left corner, there's a woman standing there. And you see her in the shadows. She's, she's far back from the scene, and she's watching, but she's not sure. She's uncertain of what's going on, and so she has one foot in the scene and one foot out. She has one foot in the light and one foot in the shadows. Maybe you have been here before. Maybe you have been in the shadows of doubt in your life and uncertainty. And this is what I want to focus in on today, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 2 through 6. Excuse me. So in this passage, we're going to read about a great follower of Jesus. His name was John the Baptist. J-Bap, as I like to call him. John the Baptist, J-Bap. He was a great preacher, bold in his preaching. He was baptizing people, calling them to repentance. Someone once said of him that the whole man was a sermon. His whole life was a sermon. John was this great preacher. He was this, one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. John the Baptist. Jesus even ta- talks about him and says that uh, among those born of women, there are not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And we read that just a few verses uh, in our, uh, later in our chapter. And so we, we know that John the Baptist is this wonderful, faith, mature believer in God. And that's a strong statement coming from the Son of God, Jesus, who, saying that there's no one born greater among women than John the Baptist. Well, let's read our passage, Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6. Now, when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word to his disciples. He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. At this time, Jabap has already been uh, put in prison for calling out Herod and, and marrying his brother's wife. Herod married his brother's wife, and John was saying, no, that's wrong. So he got put in prison. John the Baptist did. Well, here he is in prison, and we know what happens to John. He, he gets executed. Head on a platter. Really crazy story. But we know that John is in prison, and he's facing execution, and here he's, he's sending his disciples to... He's heard about Jesus. He's heard, I mean, he knows who Jesus is. He's, he's related to him, but he's heard about the works of Jesus. He's seen heard that Jesus is healing people and doing all these types of miracles. And so he sends word by his disciples and says, are you the expected one or shall we be looking for someone else? You see, John the Baptist was in a tough situation. He was raised in the wilderness. He was baptizing people, preaching and and following God greater than most of us think we could ever do. But he had his doubts. John the Baptist was questioning, Jesus, are you the expected one? But didn't John the Baptist baptize Jesus? And wasn't he there when God said from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased? 
Didn't John the Baptist say that Jesus is going to come and he's not going to be able to untie his shoes? He's, he's uh, the straps of his sandals. He's unworthy to stoop down and untie. John the Baptist also said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when he sees Jesus. John the Baptist. You think he's not going to question who Jesus is. But he does. Because he's faced with a tough situation. John the Baptist has been faithful to Jesus. He's thrown into prison. But the thing about John the Baptist's situation, we know that he was faithful, but he wasn't freed. John the Baptist ends up being executed, and, and this may be kind of a way of John the Baptist saying, Jesus, are you you're doing all these miracles? Are you, are we, can I expect you to come and free me? Are you going to save me out of this trouble? Jesus didn't come to save him. He didn't, he didn't save him in the end. He died a painful death. And sometimes we, we're like that. We think that, that Jesus is just there to get us out of our helpless situation that we think. We think all hope is lost. Stuff, stuff gets, things get difficult, and we think, well, God, you've got to save me out of this. Please free me out of this. But then sometimes he doesn't. Oh, well, God, you're not real then. I said if you would help me out of this, you're, you, then I be, I'll believe in you. Aren't we like that sometimes? We have our doubts. But you see, sometimes as Christians, we think that a mature Christian believer will never doubt who God is or doubt their faith or have any doubts. But that's simply not true. We all struggle with doubt from time to time. It's because it's, we're human beings. It's in our very nature to doubt. We don't, want, we don't know it all, and we can't know it all. But we definitely do try. We try to know things with absolute certainty, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And sometimes we try a little too hard, often twisting the truth. The reality is, though, that while we walk on this earth, we will always have questions unanswered. We will always have uncertainty Sometimes in our faith, sometimes in ourselves, sometimes in others. When doubt starts to creep in, we tend to think of people with great faith, right? People like Noah, or Abraham, or Daniel, or Moses, or John the Baptist. We aspire to be like them, and we should. Placing our faith and complete trust in God is one of the most important practices we must continually, to, continually do day to day. But what about those times when faith is hard? Allowing God to take control of your life, the future of your life, or to take care of your finances when it's tight, or your family, or your job. How do you keep up the faith and continue to be unwavering when tragedy happens? Now, some of you may have been blessed with enough stubbornness to get through difficult times with your faith, or maybe someone else has encouraged you to keep, the, keep up the good work, keep up the faith. But most likely, we all have an ongoing battle with our doubts. In Mark chapter 9, verses 22 and following, there's this man who brings his son who's demon-possessed to Jesus, and he says, but if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. The fact that the man brought his son to Jesus shows that he has faith that Jesus can do this. 
But then Jesus says, but then he says, if you can do anything, and Jesus replies and says, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can? Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Aren't we like that sometimes? We believe, but we still struggle with our doubts. We believe, but we still struggle with our doubts. The Christian faith is like that sometimes. There are times when you may have questioned or even angrily asked God, why? Why am I being put through this? Are you real? There is uncertainty in the human life. So here's a simple definition of doubt. Doubt is a a struggle to believe. It's a struggle to believe. It's something that prevents us from fully believing, from fully trusting it. It can be momentary. It can be prolonged. It can be permanent. Doubt is a struggle to believe, but unbelief is choosing not to believe. There's a difference there. Doubt is a struggle to believe. Unbelief is choosing not to believe. Henry Drummond, the 19th century great Scottish evangelist, once said that Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honesty. Unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for light. And unbelief is content with darkness. There's a difference between doubting and and not believing. But faith is not something that comes easy, is it? You've got to put your faith and trust in God when sometimes you feel like he can't, He's not there. That's why Jesus told His disciples that if they had the faith the size of a mustard seed, they could move mountains. That nothing would be impossible for them. It only takes a little bit of faith. But how often do we forget that? Now don't get me wrong or hear what I'm not saying. Doubt is not something that we must ignore and pretend it's not there. It's not healthy for you to fake your faith. You hear me? It's not healthy for you to fake your faith. We all have doubts. We all have questions that only God has answers to. And that is why faith is so difficult, because we have to trust in someone other than ourselves. Whether we doubt ourselves, whether we doubt God himself, or doubt God's plan for our lives, or his ability to turn our tragedy into a triumph, every single person has had doubts. It's funny that Ashley left, but there's a a story where Ashley and I were just getting to know each other, and we were sitting, uh, talking together on the the back porch one day, and this was before we were dating, and she ended up opening up to me and telling me her life story. And all these details that are really important to remember. And it was kind of dark. And it had been a long day. I had worked that day. And she, in the middle of her telling me all this, she said, Are you sleeping? I sat up and, What? No, I'm not sleeping. I'm listening. And I was listening. I was not sleeping. But the thing is, is that her questioning me caused me to doubt myself and wonder, well, am I sleeping? I was listening. Last I remember, I was listening to what you were talking about. 
Have you been there before? Someone questioned you and it just caused you to doubt yourself. Was not falling asleep. Excuse me. But when you think about these great people with faith, Noah, Abraham, all these people, they probably had doubts too. They were human beings. I imagine Noah, when God asked him to build an ark and carry all the animals, because of a great flood, God, are you, are you sure? Like, I'm doing the work, but I don't see any rain coming. I don't see a big flood. Abraham doubted God's promise to provide him a son. Sarah laughed when she heard that God would give them a son in her old age. When David saw Goliath, the huge giant with a sword and spear, and all David had was a sling with a couple of rocks, oh, yeah, God, are you behind me? Are you going to help me? When the angel visited Mary and told her that she would bear a son and call him Jesus, the Savior of the world, but I'm a virgin, how can this be? Here in our passage, we read John the Baptist is put in prison and doubts as he waits. Are you the one I'm expect are you the expected one, the Messiah that we've learned about, that I've been preaching to people to send to you? And are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? Because if you are the one, then that means you probably come save me, right? But in the end, we know that John the Baptist wasn't saved, was he? He died there, in prison, placing all his faith in God, placing his hope and trust in God. The worst thing you could do with your doubt, though, is to keep it to yourself. You know, you have those shadowy doubts in the back of your mind. The worst thing is to keep it to yourself. And we see that John the Baptist isn't just sitting in prison wondering, Man, is, is he really the one? He, he sends disciples to Jesus and says, Are you the one? I need to know. Because I'm about to die here. Are you the expected one? I've had some doubts and I need some answers. And the way to get the answers to our doubts is to go directly to the Lord. And in our lives today, there are some things that we can believe we know without a shadow of a doubt. Like, the sky is blue. The sun gives heat and light, or the fact that you're here today, asleep or not. You're here. But there are also many things in life that hover in the shadows of our minds and that we would continue to doubt, even if we had all the facts, even if we studied it each and every day, had a master's degree in it. We'd still have our doubts. I'm not here to discourage you today, only to identify with you and many others who have gone on before us and say that I too have struggled with doubt. I have doubted God's power. I have doubted God's love for me. I have doubted God's existence at times. Even as I wrote down this sermon, I doubted whether God would use me in it. I doubted whether I could do it or not. I'm just being honest. We all have doubts. Sometimes it's extremely difficult to wait on God's plan or to trust Him completely. But it's here where God shows up in an awesome and supernatural way because it's in our human weakness that God shows up in His awesome power and might. 
Oftentimes our doubt comes from wanting things to happen our way because we think it's best. And trust me, God knows what he's doing. He's been at it a lot longer than you and I have. So what if we doubt? So what? So what if it's difficult to trust God at times? He never said it would be easy, did he? In fact, it can be really hard. Picture the disciples for a moment. He, Jesus goes and calls them, and they follow him without, without a doubt. They, they follow Jesus, leave everything behind and follow him. But then what happens when the storm and the wind, waves, and, wind and waves come? Or we're going to die. And Jesus calms the wind and the waves and says, where is your faith? Why did you doubt? Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. And it, it's funny that immediately after that, the disciples get on the boat and have one loaf of bread, and it's like, how are we all going to eat? Jesus just said, fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. Why do we doubt? Peter is a prime example of the smallest amount of faith as he steps out of the boat and walks on water with Jesus. But then what happens? He sees the storm, he sees the waves, and he starts to doubt. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off Jesus, and he started to doubt, and he started to sink. We also know of a disciple named Doubting Thomas. Thomas's name really means seeker of truth. He, just, he really just wanted to know the truth. He wanted to find out for himself. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Aren't we like that sometimes? So it doesn't do us any good to hide our doubts. We must be real about our doubts. We can't go around pretending to believe in something we don't fully trust in. That's not genuine faith. The Christian faith, the Christian walk, is our faith rooted in having a personal relationship with Christ. And he tells us it's going to be a narrow path and it's extremely difficult. But he's going to be with us through it all. Being a Christian takes a great deal of faith. And it will be put to the test at times. You will have your doubts. It will be a struggle to believe. Our doubts will come. We need to share them with God and be real with Him and real with ourselves. But I want to share with you something that's even greater than our faith, something that brings our shadowy doubts into the light and love of Christ, and that is God's love. Look at how Jesus responds to John the Baptist's question of whether he was the expected one in verse 4. He said, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus here is essentially identifying himself as the Messiah, as the expected one. I am. You want proof? The proof is in the healing. The proof is in the delivering. The proof is in the raising. The proof is in the preaching. The proof is in his love. And that's the key to our doubts. The remedy to our doubts is love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, known as the love chapter, Paul says if we just have enough faith to move mountains, we could have a, just a small amount of faith to move mountains, but if we do not have love, it means nothing. His point is that we could still have great faith and still fall short of following Christ. We could still have great faith, I'm going to say that again, and still fall short of following Christ. Wow. We cannot trust in our faith alone, 
Because one thing that I've learned about being a human is that I'm a human. I fail sometimes. I struggle with understanding. I don't know it all. Clouds of doubt creep in ever so often. And Paul goes on to say that love rejoices in the truth. Love never fails and endures all things. At the end of the chapter, he also claims that we must abide in faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. One of the reasons that love is the greatest gift is that it is essential to God's nature. In 1 John 4, 8, it tells us that God is love. He first loved us. Questions about God's existence may start to creep in, but when you really understand that you're loved by God and see His love in action, you know that love comes from God. You know that love has to come from somewhere. There's a source of this love. Shadowy doubts about God's plan for your life or confusion about your purpose can be brought to light when you understand the overwhelming love of God in Jesus Christ who gave His Son to die for us and brought him back to life so that we can live again. The 16th century Reformation was all about understanding and knowing what to believe instead of how to live. They wanted to be right. They wanted to know for certain. This is the truth. This is how we're supposed to live. This is, how we're, this is the doctrine we're supposed to have. But it's all about love. When Jesus asks us to follow us, follow him, he's, he's not asking us to sit around and, and think about having great faith. He's asking us to get up and do things with our hands and feet to love others. So if you'd like more faith, if you, if you think your faith is weak or you're struggling with doubt, quit trying to think your way into faith and instead, empowered by the grace of God, go love your way into faith. So the ultimate remedy for doubt is not perfect, doubtless faith, nor is it being honest about not having much faith. The ultimate remedy for doubt is love, because love creates faith. Whatever faith you have, you have because you're loved. God loves you. That's why you have faith. We experience God's love, and it creates faith. And then we share God's love, and it creates faith too. Faith didn't get me here. Love did. Doubt can argue against faith all day long, but falls silent before love. Doubt can argue against faith all day long, but falls silent before love. So are you struggling with doubt? Are you struggling with doubt? And stop sitting around thinking about it and go love somebody. Put into practice the love that you've been given. The book of James says faith without works is dead, meaning that the true test of our faith in overcoming doubt in our lives is through love. Jesus didn't say the greatest commandment was to have faith that could move mountains. The greatest commandment Jesus says was to love God and love others. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the presence of love. But faith trains us to, to love and be loved. It's a posture of trusting surrender to the love of God. It's necessary because 
Love requires vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable to love and be loved. Vulnerability requires surrender, and surrender requires trust. A defendant was on trial for murder, and there was strong evidence against this, this uh, defendant because there was no corpse. There was strong evidence for guilt, but there was no corpse. So in the defense's closing statement, the lawyer, knowing his client would probably uh, be convicted, resorted to a trick. And he said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have a surprise for you all. The lawyer said as he looked at his watch, within one minute, the person presumed dead in this case will walk through those back doors. And he, looked, he looked toward the courtroom door and the jurors all somewhat stunned, looked on eagerly. A minute passed and nothing happened. Finally, the lawyer said, actually, I made up the previous statement, but you all looked on with anticipation. Therefore, I put to you that you have a reasonable doubt in this case as to whether anyone was killed or not and insist that you return to a verdict of not guilty. The jury was clearly confused, and so they retired for a minute to talk amongst themselves, and as they came back, they pronounced the verdict of guilty. But how, the lawyer said, you must have all had some doubts. I saw you all stare at the door. The jury foreman replied, oh, we looked, but your client didn't. He looked straight forward. He knew that he was guilty. And if you are a Christian, saved by grace, you may have your doubts at times. But when you truly feel the love of God, the love of others through God, you'll not be looking at the back door, doubting, waiting for someone to come in. You'll know that he's already here. That you are loved by God and Jesus Christ. The doubts of faith cannot stand up against the evidence of God's love for you in sending his son into the world to die for you, to save you and set you free. But just like John the Baptist, sometimes our prayers go unanswered. Sometimes our difficult situation, it gets even more difficult because we're not able to get out of it ourselves. We have to trust in God to supply our needs and to, and to love us, to show his love to us. But God's love, the thing about this, and here's my point, I'm finishing up. God's love does not hide in the shadows. In the shadows of doubt, God's love does not hide. Because God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God's love is in the light for all to see, for all to enjoy, and for all to share. And just like the prodigal son, who's welcomed and loved by his father, you too can come out of the shadows and experience his eternal love and grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day and for this uh, passage of Scripture, your word. God, I pray that it would, it has already spoken to me, God, and I pray that you have spoken through me to others. So God, that we can not just pretend our, our way through faith or fake our faith, but God, and, and when we have doubts, to be able to, to come to you with them and say, God, why? Reveal to me your, your, your true love, your presence, the love that is the greatest so that we can understand more. And God, we know that here on earth as human beings, we, we will have doubts and we will only understand dimly 
in the, in the clouds of doubt, but God, one day we will all know. We will all understand it better by and by. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to open up the invitation. The altar is open. If you just need to come forward for prayer, I'm going to be standing down here at the front. Uh, if you'd like to join our church, come for baptism, or if you if you've just need some, uh, just want to share something with me, or, or if you've accepted Christ into your heart and you want to make that a public decision, now's the time to come forward. So will you stand together?